One of my most popular shows that I've ever done on Beyond Risk and Back was with uh, Sergeant Mike Harris from the Jefferson County uh, Sheriff's Department. And we talked about uh, a year and a half ago about uh, uh, cell phones and pedophiles. Now, uh, Sheriff uh, Sergeant Harris has been running a sting operation uh, since 1996, bagging these scumbags uh, who have been preying on children uh, soliciting them for sex. Now, what Harris's team does is they um, uh, they simulate uh, acting like an 11, a 12, a 13, a 14, a 15 year old on the phone in these chat rooms and stuff like that. And ultimately, uh, they're bringing in someone who thinks that they're talking to a child. And, and what Sergeant Harris has said over and over and over, what Mike has said very, very clearly is that if there's an adult chatting with a child online, out of the gate, we got an issue that needs to be dealt with. I am, I'm not just grateful that the show is successful. I am so happy with what he does and how many people over the years he has busted and prosecuted is sickening. It's, it's hard to swallow the idea that this is happening in one county in Colorado. But then when you multiply that by the counties and the sizes of the counties and then the states and then how many, it really paints a, a dark picture of what's going on. I contacted uh, Sergeant Harris to do another show because he's good. And you can find him at She's a Cool Cat on Facebook and their education program for uh, uh, little kids about internet safety and cell phone safety and the old talking to strangers bit. And, and you can follow his work and you need to, if you've got a kid, you need to because the work that Sergeant Harris and his team are doing is, it's impeccable, it's amazing. And I brought him back because we had this thing come up about Momo and the Momo challenge. And I want, I'm going to let Sergeant Harris talk more about this, but parents were freaked and the, it was all over the news. The Momo challenge and our children being hurt from the Momo challenges. Is your child taking part of the Momo challenge? And there's a lot of articles about it. And what's emerged from it is quite interesting, but it paints a bigger picture about what the kids are doing on the internet and what the parents know the kids are doing on the internet and how we're going to close that gap to keep our kids safe. Thank you for joining me here at Beyond Risk and Back. My guest today is Sergeant Mike Harris from the Jefferson County Sheriff's Department. Honestly, I was just working my way up to death. I thought about killing myself every day. I was using all the time and I, that's not a sustainable lifestyle. My brother shot himself because of drugs. When you are using technology to lure children for sexual purposes. There's a couple of problems that concern me. But I remember feeling kind of relieved after hurting myself. Do you have any idea how much you were worth? I like to say it this way, great people are really built in the furnace of affliction. Our teens are navigating a world of information anarchy and increased stress and pressure. Drugs are glorified more than ever before and there seems to be a suicide option that didn't exist prior. As adults, we are responsible to provide the help at-risk teens need. Have teens changed? Or is it just the world they live in that's different? Is this why so many teens are traumatized or triggered? 
My name is Aaron Huey and in 2009, I opened a home for these teens with the hopes of giving them a second chance at creating the life we all know they deserve. Now I want to give parents the information that contributed to our success and to support them in navigating the at-risk world. These are the stories told by the teens and the techniques used by experts to help them. Welcome to Beyond Risk and Back. Mike, thank you so much for being part of this show again, man. I dig you so much, and I'm really grateful you're back. Well, thank you for having us. It's always a pleasure to talk about issues that uh, can help uh, parents, adults that are in charge of children, and try to bridge that gap because uh, it can be quite confusing and very alarming, and not knowing is alarming itself. And uh, we can't know everything, but we can sure try and try to keep up with what our kids are being exposed to, especially through technology, which uh, basically affects our environment. Well, I'm keeping your face hidden, so they're, they're hearing your voice, they can't see your face, and we want it that way so that no one can recognize you when you guys are out there ready to pounce on someone. But let's jump right into this, this Momo challenge thing. I know um, when, when parents are going to see it, they're going to uh, uh, pull up Momo challenge and the YouTube Momo and Momo challenge for children and stuff. Can you describe what this Momo challenge was that was all over the news not two weeks ago? People were freaked. What was going on? Well, the Momo challenge is... Uh... It actually took off in 2018, and it has uh, been around for some time. It started off as an urban legend, and it's got this creepy pasta subreddit doll-like figure. Uh, and uh, But in 2018, an uh, Indonesian newspaper wrote about a 12-year-old girl that had committed suicide as part, of, as part of the Momo Challenge, and it just took off from there. Is it real? Uh, well, anything is as real as what a kid will take it to or what a person will take it to. And uh, I don't know of any cases here in Jefferson County. I actually have not even heard of any actual cases where a child has harmed themselves in the Denver metro area. Uh, could have it happened? Sure. But is it happening as much as people are stating it is? And I don't think it is. I think it's a hoax. But again, hoaxes can be real when a kid acts on them. So let's talk about that hoax thing for a second, because when you, when you were, uh, uh, when, when I had contacted you and you were saying, let's talk about the Momo challenge, I went on, of course, everything on Google was Momo's a hoax, the Momo challenge hoax. And all the news articles went from, uh, you know, this dangerous thing that our children doing and kids are dying everywhere to it's not real. Uh, there's even a Wikipedia article about it that details um, what the challenge was described as, and that it was a hoax. And it referenced also the blue whale. But you told me something off the air about uh, last week at a school and talking to the kids about the Momo challenge. Can you, can you bring that up again? I want parents to hear that from you. Sure. We do presentations on technology safety in school assemblies. And at a middle school, I asked uh, approximately 280 to 300 kids, how many of you know of the Momo challenge? And almost every single kid raised their hands. And then my next question is, how many of you know of a kid that actually did a Momo challenge or received a challenge? And no one raised their hand. So and obviously that's one school. Right. So once again, we're back to this thing that all these kids know about this thing. 
they have no idea whether it's real or not. And most likely they've been talking about it with each other. Um, and that's rumor mill stuff, but this is how myths and legends grow. This is, this is how a lie becomes truth is everybody's talking about it and what makes it real. And some kid makes up a story about how their cousin has a friend that knew someone and, Thank God we don't have any actual deaths from it. But this, this is like the Blue Whale Challenge. As I did the research, Blue Whale Challenge was, what was that, 2017 into 18? Um, uh, actually, uh, I think the first one was in May of 2016, and it kind of came out of Russia. And it was talking about, uh, you know, you had uh, over a 50-day period uh, doing self-harm to yourself and with the ultimate on the 50th day of actually committing suicide. And uh, I had, in all my years here, uh, I had never heard of the blue whale until about 2017. I got a call from a, uh, a 17 year old girl that said her friend was going to carry out the blue whale challenge. And she says, tomorrow's her 50th day. And so obviously that was concerning. I got the uh, the local jurisdiction involved and they contacted that girl and she had just was telling her friend that she was doing the blue whale challenge. She had no indications that she was doing self uh, harm to herself, no self-inflicted wounds, nothing. Um, she basically admitted that she was doing it for attention uh, with her friend. So she was lying but about it. It is but concerning. Yeah, she yeah. was lying, but uh, I have heard across the nation that there have been other known cases. Uh, to what extent was the self-harm, I don't know. But again, with any of these, the Momo Challenge, the Blue Whale Challenge, whatever the next challenge may be, we need to be aware of them. We need to communicate with our kids. We need to ensure that sometimes, like I tell the kids, don't believe everything you read and don't believe everything you see in technology. Some of it might be real, but more often than not, a lot of it is not real. And uh, just like with the Momo uh, challenge, I mean, so many news networks uh, dove into that and that, that helped spur the anxiety for parents, but they also reported the, the same people that were you know, diving into this that uh, they, did not believe it was something as well because uh, they were uh, Snopes, the fact-checking site. They uh, stated it's prevalent, prevalent, I can't even talk, uh, and it is very, uh, it's one of the top Google searches uh, right now in this time period because so many parents are hearing about it and going and doing Google searches. And so it is one of the top Google uh, searches right now. But uh, in 2019, in March, uh, CNN reported that they had looked numerous places nationwide and they could not find any proof that the Momo Challenge existed. But it does exist. And where it exists is in the imaginations of our kids and the anxieties of our parents. Wow. You know, that, that really hammers home when, when parents wonder why kids are anxious. You know, this generation of kids that we're dealing with right now, um, you know, they grew up post, they're, they're growing up post 9-11. They've got posters on the walls that say, if you don't recycle, your world is going to perish. Um, the, the, the internet, the, the constant stimulus that you and I were talking about, brain development hasn't changed, yet the information download is 
absolute anarchy that no one's got any control over. And whether it's real or not, in a, the, the mind does not have the capability to see an image and say, that's just an image I'm seeing. It's not happening to me. And now we're even adding the fact that 90% of the kids in this middle school that you're talking about know about this self-harm challenge. No one knows who's actually doing it, but that's a, that, that would make anybody anxious. And parents have to understand that it's going to make them anxious if they're the ones that are driving the traffic searching for it. So that's amazing. And on top of that, one of the things that I read about the Momo Challenge was people trying to find out who's making money on this, that somewhere some adult has created a way to monetize this situation, whether it's the ads that are running during conversations about it, but people make money off this stuff. Yes, no matter whether you're text messaging in a social media app or you're looking online, there's ads constantly going across, banner ads, and that's that's what pays for uh, a lot of people and makes a lot of people money. Uh, the Momo, they actually had stated it was linked to apps such as Facebook, WhatsApp, which is uh, associated with Facebook, uh, YouTube and YouTube Kids. And in researching, YouTube Kids states that if they get anything concerning, they take it down immediately, but they have no actual knowledge of any links on the Momo Challenge being placed anywhere on YouTube Kids. Um, I think I checked last last week on that, and uh, as of last week, there had been no known links to Momo. But if you look at the, the doll-like figure, it's a scary-looking figure. Yeah, it is. And if you can post that at some point in your podcast or direct people to, to see it, it it's a scary looking thing. And when kids start talking about that and saying, well, uh, the ultimate uh, thing is, is if you don't go through the challenge, Momo's going to come and get you. And uh, I mean, for kids that have vivid imaginations, uh, they can be sitting in the room going, wow, is Momo real or is it not? But in their mind, it could be real. Uh, well, the but fear again, I is think, real. Well, absolutely. And uh, when you, when you stimulate everything that these kids are going through and they have fear like that. And then when I, to tell you the truth, my 10 year old granddaughter told me that she had heard of the Momo and that kind of blew me away because uh, she's a pretty sheltered uh, young lady. And uh, it's, it just saddened me that even as much steps that we take with my own oldest granddaughter that she's even heard it in school. So and, and, and she said, yeah, my dad talked to me and told me that it wasn't real, but no one should talk about challenges that inflict self-harm or fear in yourself. And that's what parents need to, to understand is we need to try to talk as much as we can with our kids, interact with our kids, because communication is vital these days, and there's not enough of it because time seems to be very, very limited when it comes to parenting and communicating with our children. Let's, so now let's talk about as a parent, when, when you hear something like this and you want to go talk to your kids about it not being real, the conversation itself is the key, um, but being armed with the information seems to be the struggle. Finding out that it's going on and being armed with the information seems to be, uh, seems to be a struggle. When 
we decided we wanted to talk about the Momo bit, which led me to the Blue Whale, both of them saying it's a hoax. But both you and I know people who were, I, well, I don't know about you, but I did know people and worked with kids who had self-harmed because of the Blue Whale experience. And I had a parent bring a kid to our facility because of the self-harming that they were doing on the Blue Whale experience. We know that right. we can't blame Blue Whale because we obviously have a kid who thinks that somehow they deserve, have earned, that this is justified, that this is rational, when in truth it's dysfunctional. So that's what we are really dealing with, but that's how I learned about Blue Whale. But now, as a parent, you and I know that there are harmful challenges that are all over the internet that kids are doing. You can watch fail videos. The, 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 I, the one that drives me the craziest, Mike, is the one when I see kids walking out on frozen ponds and falling through the ice and filming it. I have suffered hypothermia on an outdoor survival trip as the instructor with a bunch of kids. And I know the danger that, that everybody was placed in. I have watched a person fall through the ice at Bear Lake in Rocky Mountain National Park and uh, uh, rendered first aid on them. It is the dumbest challenge I could possibly think of, and it's constant. You see it constantly. Um, I didn't know, but you know, people are filling condoms filled with water and then dropping them on people's heads and filming it. It's caused issues. And these are challenges that, that are uh, uh, are real because you can watch the videos of kids doing it and are causing harm. So, A, what are some that you've seen that parents need to know about? And then, obviously, I want to end with you talking about apps that you hate, that you wish were shut off, or that parents understood better. And we need to talk a little bit about uh, what parents can do with their cell phones. But right now, what are some challenges that you know about and the damage that it's causing? Well, more of the challenges I see are resolve around bullying. And they're independent of an actual like uh, a Momo challenge or a Blue Whale challenge. It's just downright bullying where somebody says, hey, let's do this. And like the condom thing or posting inappropriate stuff. I had somebody post a fake Facebook page on a young lady and make it look like she was this horrible person. And I won't go into details because it was very graphic for the young lady. But then when she tried to get that off, she couldn't get it off because she didn't develop it. And uh, when her parents tried to contact Facebook, Facebook wouldn't take it off. And I finally got involved in and explained to them, this is not the person. It's criminal impersonation. And whoever did this is, it's basically out of bullying. So, Parents just need to be aware that the interaction part is so huge and it takes time. It takes talking with your kids, takes looking at their phones, takes looking at their technology devices. So one of the biggest things I can suggest to parents is if you don't know something, sit down with your kids and they, they love to tell us what we don't know because it enables them and they, they think, wow, I'm empowered. I know this and my parents don't. One, they're helping you educate yourself about what app they like, why they want this app, but they're also communicating with your, with their parents, which is huge. And then the internet, use the internet and technology to their advantage, to parents' advantage by Googling things. Uh, there's one uh, site that I love. It's called commonsensemedia.org, all one word, commonsensemedia. 
and you can put in the search and search Momo or search uh, the pros and the cons to Snapchat to any app that uh, your kids coming to you with uh, because we need to be up to speed when we're communicating and allowing our kids to have certain things on their phones and their devices especially the younger kids because there are younger kids that have 10 year olds that have Snapchat and that's not age appropriate but yet they have Snapchat. Why do you think parents are struggling with the boundaries around phones, uh, internet access, and uh, apps that their kids end up with. For example, Snapchat for a child that age, absolutely not. Facebook in, its, in and of itself is dangerous enough. Uh, YouTube is risky. And look, I have, my son is friends with a group of friends who work at uh, uh, one of the Facebook uh, filter factories where they're filtering uh, content that isn't supposed to be on there. And the right. rules that they have to follow, things that they can't take down because of uh, rights violations and stuff that is completely inappropriate. How much they have to take down bullying stuff. That what they said is that most of their day is spent blocking bullies on Facebook, yet kids are given Facebook pages. Um, what, what, why are parents struggling with these boundaries of saying, you can't have Instagram, you can't have Snapchat, not until we see A, B, and C, or something like that? Well, in my honest opinion, I would have to say a lot of parents are pleasers now. Their kids go, hey, all my friends have it, why can't I have it? And they're giving in to their kids, not really knowing what different apps can do, not do. Several of these apps, uh, when you uh, get the app, you have to enable location services. Right. And that's one of my big no-nos. If you have to enable location services, that's danger point for me because then you're allowing people to know your location. Uh, it's easier to find you. And if you're dealing with someone you really don't know, uh, just like my number one message, only talk to people, you know, face to face. And obviously a lot of these kids aren't following that. And so when you enable location services right there is a red flag for me because, um, especially with kids like 10, 11, 12, I, I mean, I wouldn't even want my 15 year old to have it, but I, I'm not naive enough to know that the older the kids get, the more empowered they are with their own devices and mom and dad or the adult in charge has very limited access to that device. And I tell kids, if you can't give your phone or your device to your parent or the adult in charge and say, yeah, here's my password, this is how you get in, that's clue number one for your own self that you are doing something that could get you in trouble or has already gotten you in trouble. Ever since our first conversation, uh, where I first heard you at the Kafka conference uh, you know, a year and a half ago, um, and you mentioned the word ghost apps. And since then, I have dove headfirst into understanding ghost apps. I bring it up at every single one of our parent weekends. And uh, 
maybe 10% of my parents know what those are. And the rest are writing them down. They're getting so angry. Who's developing this? Who's doing this for the kids? Why, if kids are getting hurt, do we know? If we're going to put seatbelts in every car, if we're going to put warning labels on cigarettes, where's the one for the internet? And I get that. I get that anger and frustration. But what you just said is key, Sergeant, is where you're saying to the kids, if you're... Uh, able to give your parents all your passwords and say, here, check me out. You're in a good place. I believe if you're sneaking, lying, cheating, or stealing, there's a problem, period. And that's what I tell parents that, you know, are video games a problem? Does your kid sneak, like, cheat, or steal so that they can play video games? If any of those are yes, there's an issue you need to look at. Same with phones, same with drugs, same with anything. And when I, you right. know, when we're cheating the law, for breaking, you know, it's all connected to this Children think they should have that level of privacy. Parents are giving in to this, that, that, that kids should have this level of privacy. And there are apps out there that are sometimes, Sergeant, you feel like they're designed to hurt children. Like, like, like that these, these app manufacturers are just not taking children into consideration. They're like, well, if you know, you, you got to break a couple of eggs to make an omelet or some shit like that. And it's so aggravating. And I want, as, as we're coming around, because I know how, um, how much we have to cover, how much we could cover with you. Let's hit your list of apps. What are the apps out there that you're just like, parents don't erase their phone, shut off their thing, give them a phone that you have control over and access to, take it away or take the service away. If they, you said, you said once every month, you should be able to erase your kid's phone and your kid not freak out about it. And they, you should have the password. So the kids cannot put an app on without you saying, what are you putting on? And you see it that you, you've given these list of rules that I've been passing on and on, but what are the apps that if a parent does see the kid's phone and they see this app, they should be concerned immediately? Well, obviously there are so many, but uh, my number one app that I just do not like, and I tried to join it so we could interact more with kids and the kids blew us up is Snapchat. And we try because a lot more kids aren't on Facebook anymore. They're on Snapchat and other right. social media apps. And we thought, okay, let's go where the kids are and try to be a resource for them. And we gave it to the first uh, three schools we visited. And by the fourth school, we had to, we had to shut down our uh, Snapchat app because kids were blowing us up at one, two, three in the morning. And we're not there to be their friend and say, hi, how are you today? Especially at two in the morning. And uh, they, they just took total advantage of the opportunity we are trying to afford them. But Snapchat is probably one of the most popular, that and Instagram. But Snapchat, most of these kids have SnapMap on it, which means that their location services is enabled. And like I tell kids, why do you have to have all your friends know where you're at? If you're such good friends with them, they can send you a message and say, hey, I'm at the mall or hey, I'm at the rec center. But why do all your friends have to know where you're at? Because as many friends as some of these kids have, I know they don't know every single one of them face to face. Half these people are not setting their privacy settings appropriately on Snapchat and any other app. Uh, so it's, it's 
really concerning is Snapchat for me. And I'm not going to change the world. The kids are in the moment and half their parents don't realize what they're doing on Snapchat. And uh, it's very easy to be manipulated. Oh, come on, send a picture. It's only going to be up for two seconds. If I save it, you'll know it. Well, there's other apps that you can basically videotape your whole screen, and that's not going to alert your Snapchat user. So when you send that, you know, inappropriate picture, yeah, they didn't save it the normal way, but it's saved. And uh, that app in itself is very scary to me. But if anything, I would hope that kids that have Snapchat, their parents would be much more involved with them. Maybe be their friend on Snapchat, see what's going on. But uh, that's very troubling app for me, very. Uh, you, you talked about Instagram. I seem to remember uh, you were pretty unhappy with Kicks and WhatsApp. Um, uh, yeah, the last Kick time is K-I-K, Kick. It's based Kik. out of uh, Canada. Uh, a lot of kids use it because, one, if their parents check their text messages, uh, they're not going to see some of the more foul language they use, something inappropriate because parents might go, oh, that must be a game kick. No, it's a, it's a basic, basically a texting app. Uh, you can do uh, video chats on it and so forth. It's based out of Canada, and, but it's worldwide. So, and there's so many groups you can go into, uh, horrible type chat groups. And the reason a lot of predators uh, like it is they'll say, hey, send me a live pic. And if you send it from your gallery, they immediately know that's not a live pic because if you take a picture through the app, it will show that it is a live picture that was just taken uh, through the app. So that's one of those that, that you're like, wait a second, don't the, don't the manufacturers of this app understand what it's being used for? And I think you can answer that, don't they? Well, if uh, I want to say about a year ago back east, a young uh, college freshman and his girlfriend used Kick. Uh, he had used it to lure, I want to say she was 13 years old, lured her, and then he was scared she was going to tell of what he had done to her sexually. And so him and his girlfriend lured her back through that same app, uh, got her to come out, and they ended up killing her. The the male did, and then the, uh, his girlfriend helped him conceal the body. But uh, they were both charged. Uh, it, it just scares me that, uh, kids are so young and they are not responsible and mature enough to handle some of the situations they get into in the use of some of these social media sites. Knowing this, knowing all this stuff that happens, um, you know, this is something that I tell parents, my kids got into high school, just as far smartphones were becoming popular. Uh, I was the first one in our household to have an iPhone, but it, it quickly followed that everybody, including my son and my daughter, uh, had them. Now they were in high school by the time they got it. In junior high, it was all flip phone and stuff like that. And I saw what it did to uh, the dinner table experience and the boundaries that my wife and I set around it. I wish I would have done better. And should I, could I go back I'd have been the dad because I was that guy. I was that dad with everything else, man. If I found out somebody at school was smoking pot or dealing drugs or passing stuff around, I called the school. I was that guy. I wish I would have been that guy with cell phones. Um, 
are you that guy for your grandkids? Are you pretty clear? And, and are your own grown children pretty clear that, uh, are they going to be those parents that their kid doesn't get a phone till they're 18 or what would you tell well, parents? I hope my kids don't give their, their kids a cell phone. My 10 year old, all she has is uh, a, a basically uh, iPad, uh, an old iPad, and we have all the limits set. So she really can't do a whole lot on her iPad, but she doesn't seem to want to. But the older she gets, the more, ex more exposure to her friends, that peer pressure is going to start kicking in. And I'm hoping her parents will listen to all my messages. But uh it's concerning because now I'm not the guy in charge. My kids are the parents and they're in charge and you don't, you don't have as much control as you'd like to have. <laughs> uh, that is true. What's your recommended age for giving a kid a cell phone? 15, 16. Uh, if they need a cell phone because they're latchkey kids, uh, because, you know, mom and dad want to know that they get there. You can get limited type phones where you can even have GPS and they can call maybe four to six people. Uh, yeah, I got home. Or you can see on their GPS on their, uh, you know, on their cell phone. Hey, my kid uh, just got to school. My kid just got home. I understand that, uh, that some you know, kids need that. And more so parents, because it's, you know, uh, it reassures them, hey, my kid did get to school because a lot of these single parents, they got to be worried sick. Okay, uh, I left work. My kid's not heading to school until for another half hour. I hope she makes it to school. If she doesn't, how long is it going to be before the school calls me? So those type of phones are great. But when you get the, you know, the smartphones and you give all the bells and whistles to an 8, 9, 10-year-old, 11-year-old, I, I just don't think they're ready for it. Okay. That's good. That's, I, think, I think parents need to, to hear that. All right. So in this short show, we, we've talked about everything from Momo, the Blue Well, these challenges, parents doing their own research. Uh, some of the more dangerous apps that are on phones, what time, what, what a good appropriate age to give a phone to a child is. Um, you talk to a lot of parents, but more importantly, most importantly, you talk to a lot of kids about educating them so that they are, uh, uh, they're on top of this. Aside from the single uh, most impactful thing a parent can do with their child, which is to have a conversation about this stuff. What is your advice for parents? Again, interact, communicate, check their devices. Who's paying for those devices? More likely than not, we the parents or the adult in charge is paying for them. And if your kids are hesitant to show you their devices, phones, iPads, whatever, then they're, right there's a red flag. Right. And it's not because we are spying, we are parenting. I get tired of hearing some parents go, well, that shows my lack of trust oh. in my child. No, it shows that you care and love your child. Yes. We are not there to be their best friends. We are there to make sure they grow up healthy and they grow up intelligently and hopefully with minimal negative consequences occurring in their lives. And that is parenting. And it seems to have disappeared more so now with the frenzy of the technology world that we're in. You know, 
uh, Sergeant, I work with kids who've been trafficked. I've worked with kids who've been abused. I work with kids who've been assaulted, uh, uh, you know, raped, kids who are self-harming and creating uh, dependency scenarios for themselves because of their past and stuff like this. And I, I think what you said is so important because we're talking about protecting versus preparing. Right When our children are little, as adults, our responsibility is to protect our kids. As they get into their teen years, we need to prepare them for the world. Somewhere along the way, giving them access to the internet uh, has fallen out of, you have to protect your kids. You have to protect your kids. Kids have Instagram. Kids have Snapchat. These are dangerous apps. Kick is a dangerous app. For crying out loud, I know people who work with the filters for Facebook, the, the stories they have to tell of what they actually do pull down, what people are willing to post, what people are trying to expose each other to. You work with the children and the adults. You work with the adults who are trying to hurt Children, what is it going to take to get parents to understand that this technology thing is moving faster than children are developing and we need to protect them? What is it? They don't, I don't want parents to end up sending their kids to my facility. It's expensive mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually, and financially. And it means that your kid has had years of hurt and pain and depression and anxiety and suffering. Um, you don't, the fact that this, these people think that they're going to meet a 13 year old girl and they end up meeting you instead, what's it going to take? What do, what do we have to do to help parents understand that technology is not as important as, as protecting their children? You know, I wish I had the answer because one of my biggest struggles, and that's why I like doing, you know, news uh, on technology safety, talking on podcasts such as this, because right when your podcast hits, there might be somebody driving down the road and something clicks and they hear something and they do something about it. Because when I do PTA, uh, you know, parent teacher association uh, meetings, uh, we're lucky if we have 13 people come and they, and they do, the schools do a great job of saying, Technology safety, Sergeant Mike Harris and the Chizo team coming. They they put it on the marquee board. They put it on the reverse calls to the schools. I mean, now there's so many communication uh, advantages to alerting parents of this, and we still only get 13 to 20 people, and that's out of a whole school. And they just don't think it's going to happen to their child. They don't think their child is going to, you know, make a mistake. And like I always tell parents, 90% of the kids I deal with are good kids that make mistakes. It's not that they're evil, but there is so much opportunity afforded to our kids to make mistakes through technology. So I don't know what the answer is, Aaron. I really don't. This is, I've, I've done a, an interview with two detectives from Colorado Springs uh, uh, Police Department who work on the human trafficking division and talk about that uh, human traffickers can spot a runaway in a mall uh, within 20 minutes of the runaway entering the mall. Um, pedophiles, human traffickers, uh, people who are making money off of 
the dark net and dark viral experiences like Momo and the blue whale. Um, these are not beginners. These are not people who yesterday were accountants and today said, you know what, I'm going to start a viral thing and watch it blow up, or I'm going to go molest children, or I'm going to become a human, you know, trafficker. Uh, this something, this is something that people have trained themselves in and practiced themselves in. And it takes, it takes a lot of uh, uh, effort and skill and resources to catch them. Um, I'm saying this because um, Sergeant, you're one of those guys who I like to consider myself out on the front lines of this work with children and saving lives of children and saving lives of family. But you're one of the uh, the LARPers over the over the border. You're one of the scouts. You're you're there in the you know evolutionary special forces, actually going after these terrorists one at a time. And uh, I want to make sure parents have proper access to the information that you have. I watch. I get alerts when Cheezo Cool Cat releases something on Facebook. Um, that is where the parents are. So I know every time you've got something new to talk about, how are parents going to find Chizo Cool Cat and your information services? Sure. We're on uh, Facebook, Chizo, C-H-E-E-Z-O, Cool, C-O-O-L, Cat, C-A-T. You don't have to like us. You don't have to friend our Facebook page. Uh, but we probably put at least three times a week good information out there for parents to look at, consider, to think about. And then if you don't have Facebook, you can go to our site, chizo.org, and it takes you to right to our, uh, our website. It has our contact information. We always, if a parent says, hey, I don't know how to set my privacy settings on Instagram, we have things that we can immediately when we're contacted here you go here's a set of instructions if you still don't know that Tara who is my right hand uh, person she will call them and walk them through it step by step we make ourselves available to our community to try to help parents as well as kids so those are the two easiest ways to get a hold of us um, I just hope that whoever's listening to this takes it what we've talked about to heart because uh, there is, as we talked off the air, there is so much stimuli out there and how does it not skew our young kids' minds in how they approach situations, uh, whether it be in real life or on the net. It, it definitely has a big impact on our kids, more so than I think anybody outside of you and me realize uh, because it, it's scary what our kids are going through today. And I'll tell you the research that these world-class psychologists and psychoanalysts and everything are discovering uh, uh, neuro, what neuroscience is revealing about trauma. We really have the top experts just starting to go, holy crap, this is devastating. And that's why I do this show. I, I know it feels dark and heavy, but Damn it, like this is, this is the most important thing. This is what every parent wants, is to protect their children from the dangers of the world. And we hand them technology. And parents have not reconciled that technology is one of the dangers of the world by proxy of no one's in control of it. It is, it is the truest experience 
experiment of anarchy this world has ever had, and we're putting it in the hands of children. Children have the library of Alexandria in their laps. Do you really want your child to read every book in the world library? Because they have access to it. And it takes one kid to say, have you heard of Momo? For 90% of the school to hear about it, to share the story that may or may not be true, and to stress to look up online and see that horrid figure that Momo is. And I hate, I hate scary movies. I don't watch them. I watch B comedies and superhero movies, folks. And when I saw a picture of Momo, if a 10-year-old, when a 10-year-old looked at that, it scares him. And when you look oh. up what, what Momo is, it's terrifying. And if someone, if another kid tells that kid, hey, Momo's going to come visit you tonight, I guarantee you that kid ain't going to sleep good. Well, and you know, uh, uh, Sergeant, we were looking at the same thing with Slenderman. I remember when my nephew came <laughs> and started talking to me about Slenderman. And it was a good two hours of talking with my nephew and exploring the myth behind it and how people take a myth and make it uh, something that gives them power. And so they share the story to feel important. He was terrified. He lost sleep. So whether it's real or not, kids, kids make it real and it's creating anxiety and kids are hurting themselves over it. Thank God, Momo, from what we know, from what you know and from what I know, I haven't heard of anybody hurting themselves over it. Thank God. But we may not be so lucky on the next one. This is true. Just a real quick uh, backtrack to kick. That yeah. uh, girl was out of Virginia, the 13-year-old I was talking about. Yeah. Her name is Nicole Lovell, L-O-V-E-L-L. Number of news uh, articles about what happened to her and what led to her death. Um, if that's not an eye-opener to parents, I don't know what is, but it just tells me and reinforces more and more that we as parents and caretakers of kids, we need to be on top of this stuff. And it's not just overreaction, it's underreaction that we're doing right now. Yeah, I agree. Sergeant Harris, Jefferson County Sheriff's Department, thank you. Listen, anytime you guys have something that you need to get out there on the air, put me into your PR file. I will, I will drop in everything and anything to do a show. I'm your number one fan out there. Um, please uh, call me if there's anything. Uh, you guys want parents to know immediately and quickly. I'll be a part of the solution. And thanks for saying yes to this interview request too. If, and if you don't mind, I'm going to keep making them every, every so often. Sounds good. I appreciate uh, your interest in our program and your dedication to keeping kids safe. Uh, it's, it's, it's what we do. We're called to it. We do it. All right. Stay on the line for a second while I sign off folks. Um, I hope you listened. I hope you made it to the end because uh, what he said there at the very end is the most important piece. Underreaction is our problem. Underreaction is the problem here. Um, there's more to learn. There's more to talk about. There's more to do. To deal with this stuff, parents, you got to take care of yourself first. You got to take care of your adult relationship second so that you can do the work and face the issues that are facing our children and take care of these children. 
As always, I want to thank the boss goddess, Kristen Walker at Mental Health News Radio Network, my editor, Daniel Cropper, for his hard work. I love their support of Beyond Risk and Back. Beyond Risk and Back has become the number one parenting podcast in Colorado and Australia. Don't know why, but hooray for us. Uh, thank you to all the parents who are sharing us, liking us, and subscribing to us. If you have a child that you think might need residential treatment, but you don't know, call my facility, Fire Mountain Residential Treatment Center. We will help you decide, and we have resources for you if we are not the right one or if residential is not right for your child. 303-443-3343. I want you to check out the Mental Health Roundtable that we are doing at Mental Health News Radio. Go to mentalhealthnewsradio.com. Check out Mental Health Roundtable. Uh, it's, it's filled with the experts talking about issues confronting all of us, not just parents, teachers, and clinicians, but us as individuals with mental health. Sergeant Harris from Jefferson County Sheriff's Department, thank you so much. Uh, I dig you, man. And uh, uh, parents, we will talk again next week. Thanks for joining us on Beyond Risk and Back. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Beyond Risk and Back. Join us each week for your connection to experts in adolescent health and wellness, recovery, and responsibility, and also to listen to teens talk about their lives in crisis. For more information on our program for struggling teens or me, please go to firemountainprograms.com, join us on Facebook at Fire Mountain Residential Treatment Center, or at Beyond Risk and Back. Visit our YouTube channel at Fire Mountain RTC for even more support with our parent training videos. Special thanks to Mental Health News Radio for their continued love and support of our program. Please go to mentalhealthnewsradio.com to see all of their podcasts. Feel free to email me at Aaron at firemountainprograms.com.